Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Global News reporter Clay Young after the funeral of RCMP officer Alan Popes, author and travel expert Claire Newell with some new winter travel destinations and U of W Urban Studies prof Gino D'Astasio on the redo of Portage Place and the future of downtown, including Portage and Maine. Please rate the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, and now the podcast. Popes, the funeral and the uh, service was held uh, earlier. You heard much of it here on CJOB. Global News reporter Clay Young uh, has been uh, there and just got back now. Wow, uh, what a crowd, eh, Clay? Yeah, it was. Uh, people were streaming into uh, Bell MTS Place before the doors officially opened at 11. And uh, yeah, well over a thousand people. And. Um, it, it got emotional at times, you yeah. know, funerals often do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, uh, there were some dignitaries there. I stayed away from the dignitaries. And I just wanted to talk to everyday Winnipeggers who felt compelled to go down there today right. to pay their respects. Uh, here's uh, the response I got from some of those people. After all that, that these men and women do for us, it's a small gesture. It's tragic to hear of anybody, you know, losing a life at any time of the year near the holidays. It always just amps it up. And then when you hear somebody serving our community on the job, it just takes it to the next level. So it was important to come down and just pay respects. Well, I think it's really important to come here to show support and solidarity for the work that uh, not just the RCMP do, but all uh, first responders do. They're out there doing their job. Uh, I just felt like it was necessary to pay respect to uh, what he has done for the community um, and for all the his colleagues that uh, are mourning his loss. Well, he uh, transported a lot of uh, people to I work in court systems, so I've 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 met him. I, so you you knew the officer, uh, he, sort of like he's part of the the crew that would regularly be in court. So obviously, I respect what he does and um, his contributions. So um, I'm not sure how much of the service that you saw. I saw much of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot, a lot of people were watching at cgob.com that couldn't be there today. Exactly, mm-hmm. but uh, I was touched by something his uncle Rob said about him. Yeah, that you know when they were growing up, uh, uh, he was he was looked upon as being the the protector. Mm-hmm. You know, Alan was sort and of. And in pro- hindsight, he he was able to see that Al Alan was the protector of the family, and then went on to protect so many others. Exactly. Yeah, it was he beautiful. Said, he said, you know, and later. He became a protector for all of us. So, right. you know, these are the, and that, like that first lady said, you know, yeah. these are the people that their job is to protect us. They put their lives on the line to yeah. protect us. So, right. Yeah. Was, and I was touched by uh, a song uh, that they played. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this song before. I've never heard it. But uh, there were a lot of uh, tissues being pulled out and dabbing the eyes. If heaven was needing a hero, hmm. they played that. 
for yeah. him. Well, certainly a hero, and it's a it's a shame that we've lost him. Thank yeah, you. and Thank you, you know, there's one last thing. Yes. There, you know, there were some lighter moments, and yeah. it sounds like I'd never met him, but it right. sounds like he was quite the character. It does sound like you that. know he was uh, yeah. into some crazy stuff, some yeah. shenanigans. Yes, Clay. Thank yeah. you very much. You great, jo- great job out there. And by the way, uh, Clay got lots of great audio from, as you just heard, just every everyday average citizens that were there to pay tribute. Um, but we, of course, and I'm going to have some of that audio from Clay as we go along here. He did a great job on that. Let me just t- take a few minutes here to play uh, the comments at the funeral for Alan Popes from Commissioner Brenda Lucky. Take a listen to this and uh, as we head here for the 1.30 News. Take a listen. Honoured guests, family, friends, fellow RCMP officers, employees, first responder colleagues, friends, fellow Canadians. It's with a very heavy heart and profound sadness that I stand here today to offer my sincere condolences to the family of Constable Alan Popes, especially his parents, Douglas and Pat, his brother Greg and his girls Crystal, Chelsea and Caitlin. On behalf of the entire RCMP family, we are so incredibly sorry for your loss. Nous avons tous le cœur brisé. Le jersey est une famille et la perte de l'une des de notre est douloureuse pour chacun de nous partout au pays. The RCMP is a family, and losing one of our own hurts each and every one of us across the country. Our hearts are broken. Thank you to all of you for sharing your memories and stories about Alan. You've offered a glimpse of the kind, intelligent, charismatic man he was. Je n'ai malheureusement jamais rencontré Al, mais j'ai appris beaucoup de choses sur lui cette semaine. Sadly, I never met Al, but I've learned a great deal about him this past week. So let this be a celebration of his life which I am told is what he would have wanted. He was a father, a son, a brother, a friend, and a police officer who had so much more to do and so many more things to accomplish in all of those roles. Pour les gens de Manitoba, c'est une perte tragique. Alan spent his entire RCMP career here. He served in Portage La Prairie, Powerview, and Headingley for nearly 13 years. And wherever he went, he touched the lives of those around him. To his daughters, Crystal, Chelsea, and Caitlin, you should be so very proud of your dad. He was an extraordinary person, and we are so honored and proud that he chose the RCMP. While he was going through training and starting a new career, He balanced raising three little kids, maintaining a second career as a locksmith, and excelling in the cadet training program. He always made time for everything and everyone in his life. He was phenomenal at bringing people together and making everyone feel like they belonged. And he was the type of person who always had your back. While training at depot, He took many of his troopmates under his wing. He was a trusted mentor, 
never hesitating to share tips and tricks, whether it was on the firing range or in the classroom. Many people looked up to Alan for his guidance and advice, and he was always there to lend a helping hand regardless of the task. His, char his charisma and larger-than-life personality could light up a room, any room, and when you look at his smile, okay, we'll give it up for the stash, but the smile. Although he faced challenges like everyone else, he never complained, never sweat the small stuff, a trait that was admired by everyone around him. Outside of working hours, Al was an avid hockey player and volunteered with the True North Foundation Jets Training Academy for Youth. He was also a key organizer of countless hockey tournaments, many of which raised money for the Slain Peace Officers Fund here in Manitoba. His love of life shone through everything he did, his job, his community work, and in his day-to-day -day interactions with those around him. He lived to help others. If there were more hours in the day, Al would have made good use of them. We can all live by the example he set and carry his memory forward in our actions. It's said that at the end of the day, people won't remember what you said or did. They'll remember how you made them feel. And that's how we'll remember Al, how he treated everyone with respect, compassion, and kindness. He was an exceptional RCMP member, a dedicated family man, and a remarkable human being. Alors que nous célébrons sa vie aujourd'hui, souviens-nous de bons moments passés avec lui et donnons-nous le défi de continuer à améliorer le monde en son honneur. So today, as we celebrate Al's life, let's look back on the good times and challenge one another to keep making this world a better place in his honor. To Al's family, I hope you can find comfort in knowing that he gave his life to something much bigger than himself. That, I believe, is the definition of a true hero. I want to thank the people of Winnipeg and everyone across Canada for pulling together on this difficult day to support the Pope's family. Looking at all of you here today, it's clear that he has touched so many lives. He will be deeply missed and he will never be forgotten. I'd like to end off by, with a poem by Helen Steiner Rice that reminds us all of the importance of continuing to live our lives in the face of this tragedy. May tender memories soften your grief. May fond recollection bring you relief. And may you find comfort in peace and peace in the thought of the joy that knowing your loved one brought. For time and space can never divide or keep your loved one from your side. When memory paints in colors true the happy hours that belong to you. Prenez soin de vous et veillez les uns et les autres. Please take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky speaking at the funeral of Alan Popes today. Author and travel expert Claire Newell on the phone now. Good afternoon, Claire. 
Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, first of all, Merry Christmas. All the best in 2020. People are traveling around the holidays. A lot of people are hoping to get away somewhere hot with the cold weather coming. Uh, let's start with traveling over the holidays. What's your best advice? Uh, there's so many little tidbits of advice, but the most important is do your research um, and make sure you know what to expect when you're going. Do you need to prepare from a safety perspective, a health perspective, uh, and make sure you know you know the type of weather you're going into and what you'll be able to buy and how you'll be able to pay. The other thing is that you need to pack a lot of patience and use technology to your advantage when you're going uh, on a trip during the busiest times of the year. So if you can check in online, uh, pre-purchase your seats in advance. If you don't have to uh, check a bag, all just going to make for a bit smoother trip. And as far as time goes, I just still recommend if you're going to the airport, um, depending on the normal time, you know, if it's a domestic flight, if it's transborder, if it's an international, give yourself an extra 45 to 60 minutes. And I know that sounds long, but I can guarantee you're going to be way more chill on the other side of security, sipping your coffee, than you are trying to race through the lineups at every step of the way. Yeah, especially right now, because a lot of people are traveling for the holidays. Most of them, I would say, are going to see family and friends. Some are getting away away to a hot spot. What are some of the new hot spots? Because there are the usual suspects, but I know you've got some new ones on your radar this year if people are looking for a hot spot, a hot vacation. Yeah, you know, the the populars are always going to be the populars, the Hawaii, Caribbean, Mexico. But for people who have done that and we're looking for something a little different, we're seeing a lot of beach destinations in Southeast Asia. So heading to Bali, Indonesia, or some of the islands off of the coast of Thailand, Um, they're affordable. They're they're really a unique experience. You've got some culture with some beach. Um, but we, we're also seeing people heading over to Europe, and they're going not just the peak season of July, August. They're going, you know, they're going late fall, and they're going in spring so that they're avoiding the crowds, but the weather's still nice. So, you know, the beaches in the south of France, the south of Portugal, the south of Spain, where they're still getting really nice weather and some gorgeous beaches. Of these new destinations, give me one or two examples of why you like the locations. Well, I'm a really big fan of the south of Spain. Um, I don't think it's a great place to go during peak season, uh, July and August, because it is so crowded. But it's really varied, and there is lots to see and do within a day. So you can, you know, if, if you're flying into one city, you can still get by train to another city and see it and get back. I also am a big fan of Croatia. So, again, this is a place that is really packed. I guess it's the whole Game of Thrones effect. <laughs> um, people wanting to go into Dubrovnik and see, you know, the, the Walk of Shame and that kind of thing. Right. But uh, it's a really cool place to go. Um, Split is a bit of a more of a resort area. The huge walled city of Dubrovnik is neat. But it's a place that you should go and go off into the islands like Havar and Brach and uh, Corchula. Really, it's been growing in popularity, but we're seeing it more so. Um, there, there's just so many great beaches in the world, but going to places that you maybe haven't been, I hope I can give you know you some encouragement to, to maybe look into it. Um, I should say how at the time of the year we're in now, I know that there's a lot of people traveling, but there's also a lot of people who aren't, but they're sitting around with their family mm. over the holidays and kind of dreaming about where to go. So hopefully that was some inspiration. But 
sadly, it's also a really important time of the year. I know in our family, it's the time of the year where we do some yearly checkups. So we actually go into our passports and we open the pages and make sure that it's not going to expire in the next year. So we look for the dates. Um, We also look in, we have a travel um, medical kit that we always pack. It's the time to chuck out all the stuff that's expired and repack it. Um, Also a time to check your travel insurance policies, making sure if you've got it through work or you've got it through your credit card company or however you have it, just make sure it's not expiring and how, um, how and what's covered for you so that if you are planning a trip, you know that you may need to top it up or you may not. And also yourself, like your person, you need to um, double check. And a lot of us are over the age, including myself, yep. um, not my kids, but they don't have the electronic versions of records. Mm. Um, so you need to maybe go back and look, have you got the most you know, your regular vaccinations that I suggest you don't travel without, which are hepatitis A and B. Like, how do you know if yours is up to date? I don't. And that's really good oh, advice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other is tetanus. And then our family does, um, we travel a lot and we go kind of um, unique places. So we, some of us have sensitive tummies, so we do Ducarol to help protect from e-tech diarrhea, which is the most common strain of E. coli yep. um, that causes travelers diarrhea. And I don't know. The reason I'm talking about this health stuff is lots of us only have, you know, 10 days or 15 days of vacation a year, and you want to make the most of it. So this is also a reminder if you work for an organization that, you know, you have to book your vacation in advance to maybe do that. Look at it now and and start to plan it. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck with weeks you don't really want. Right. And Claire, while I've got you, before I let you go here, I've got to ask you about these new passenger protection regs. What do you make of those? I guess the jury's still out. We'll see how it goes. But I kind of have a feeling these airlines are going to figure out a way around some of this stuff. Yeah, some of it for sure, especially the things that are outside of their control. So um, there's several uh, passenger bill of rights that are really important. The first phase was, you know, you're going to be paid out if there's delays on the tarmac and you're going to be taken care of properly. Um, if their flights are overbooked or delayed, you're going to be getting compensation. Um, lost luggage, they'll, they'll start to pay. Um, kids, it's really been important that um, if families are traveling together, unless you had pre-booked and paid for seats in advance, you might not be sitting with your kids, even if they're under five. So that's all kind of been dealt with in this. The most important just came into effect on this second phase, which is delay and cancellation. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're referring to. Right. So there are there's a couple of things that people should remember. You have one year to file a claim. And it has to be provided in monetary form. So don't let them give you like a voucher that you've got to use within six months. Um, so what, uh, from my perspective, I know you're probably going, oh, well, I don't know, you know, the jury's still out. But yeah. from our perspective in the travel industry for 27 years, I really do feel that we've been waiting a long time for this. It's been decades where the, um, the U.S. and Europe have had this. And up until this point, if you made a claim with the airline, and remember, this is not just airlines here. This is um, Canadian Airlines. It's any airline that mm-hmm. flies to or from Canada. This has been one of those situations where you'd write a letter or um, you write an email and it would be a waiting game and it would be a long waiting game and you would not know what you'd be getting or if you'd be getting something. This makes things black and white. If it is something within the airline's control, there is a set amount of money. The airline's 
um, depending on if they're large or small and depending on the length of de- delay, starting at three hours and then nine or over. There's this graduated list and that's really important and they have to pay you. So within 30 days, um, they have, must issue that payment or a statement explaining why they believe it's not owed. And yes, I get it. That um, I mean, I look at Europe and for a while and they, they, they really, the airlines haven't seen much loss. They're kind of knowing what they need to do and making sure they do it. But sadly, at the end of the day, they don't pay out for weather or mechanical, which is the cause of most delays. But if it's within their control, like they've overbooked it, it's scheduled maintenance or there's staffing issues. I was at the airport not that long ago and heard someone say, oh, we need a flight attendant. She's coming off another flight. It's going to be another hour. Well, you get compensation if that delay gets too lengthy. Mm. Hey, Claire, thanks a lot for this. Great stuff. Thanks so much, Hal. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays. So Portage Place will see a renovation, pretty big renovation project, $400 million over the coming years by Toronto-based Starlight Investments. Very bold vision. And uh, Gino D'Astasio joins us now to chat a bit more about this. Uh, Gino is an urban studies professor at the University of Winnipeg. Uh, Gino, uh, nice to talk to you. Thank you. Good afternoon. So I saw you on global television last night. You're excited about this project. Well, you know, I am. It's It's been a long time in Winnipeg when we've had an opportunity to see an international firm coming in with the potential of spending upwards of $400 million on in our downtown, in Portage Place. You know, last month we were talking about knocking down the, you know, the uh, the, the former bus uh, stop in, in the front of the mall and calling that a success. Yeah. And, you know, um, and watching you last night on global television, you know, this uh, this has been happening again and again. This, I think, by far is the biggest one that we've heard up of lately. And, and downtown gets a bad rap, or it has over the past little while. Why are... Uh, why are, are we maybe harder on downtown Winnipeg than people like Starlight from outside the city? I think Winnipeggers are generally harder on downtown. You know, I've been, I, you know, I'll admit I'm uh, just over 50 and I've been coming downtown for most of my life. And like a lot of us that live and work, not live, but work downtown or come downtown frequently, I think we see things differently. I think in any city you travel to, there's always the the chance that you're going to encounter something you're not familiar with. So I do think that sometimes the perception of downtown is a little bit unfair in that, you know, from my view, it is a safe place. And we've attracted billions of dollars in investment over the last uh, 15 years. Things are changing. Yeah, and this is big. The announcement yesterday, which you heard exclusively here on CGOB and on global television and, and online as well with us, um, what now does this uh, piece of the puzzle mean going forward? I imagine if there were others out there kind of on the fence, well, maybe Winnipeg, maybe downtown Winnipeg, I don't know. We'll this has to push them over the edge now, right? Well, I think so. You know, when, when, when you add it up, there's what I call a $2 billion corridor that extends from, if you include Portage Place and you extend yourself just over to the convention center, within that corridor, in a short period of time, we've seen $2 billion expended. And a good chunk of that is actually private sector led. So things are changing and nobody's going to sugarcoat the fact that there isn't still a tremendous, 
tremendous need for us all to support the social uh, challenges that our city faces with both addiction, with homelessness, and with certainly with poverty. We have lots of things to do. But let's not think of a mall as being either the factor that increases homelessness or, in fact, decreases it, because there's much more complicated things that we need to take care of. You know, as this news came out yesterday, and as I said, I watched you on global television last night, I could not help but think of Portage in Maine and the debate that went on and on about Portage in Maine. What we're seeing with this change to what's now Portage Place we're seeing a lot of the things that were talked about in that debate for Portage in Maine, right? Do, do you see that that correlation as well? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I like the way you frame it because really what we're talking about is how it's configured now. It's a bit of a bunker, and, and that's just was the design of the time, so it's not necessarily a flaw. But what Starlight is talking about is making the building much more transparent, reopening the pathway through Edmonton Street to really hopefully connect into the Central Park area. Lots more glass, lots more visibility and light. And again, just that ability to walk to and be seen, right? And it's like, it is like uh, Portage in Maine. For goodness gracious, you know, people just want to cross the street and we somehow made a, a bigger deal than it really was. Yeah, and do you think <laughs> maybe after this announcement the timing is right to talk about Portage in Maine again? Because, uh, listen, I saw the benefit to the vision of Portage in Maine. I understood there were some hurdles we had to get over. But after seeing a company like this, uh, like Starlight, come in and drop this kind of money in our downtown, and the vision is, as I said, similar to what was talked about at Portage in Maine, do you think maybe this might convert some people that were against opening up Portage and Me? Well, let's hope so. You know, I, I think in the end, it isn't, it isn't necessarily that big a, a deal to open up that, that corner, right? We, we cross Main Street many, many times in and around the intersection, and we certainly cross Portage. But again, remember the same week, we also saw a, a dozen or so developers rallying behind the railside project at the Forks. That's another $100 million plus project just blocks away from, from yesterday's announcement. So... I think as, as much as Winnipeggers want to think that our city is not changing, we're seeing billions of dollars flowing into the downtown, not only in housing, but a, a range of different types of uh, investments that have transformed the downtown. I don't think there's anybody that can come back over the holidays who hasn't been to Winnipeg for a number of years and say, I haven't been here in a decade, looks the same. Yeah. I think for, you know what, I, I think the skyline, the city has changed. Absolutely. Let's get behind really now, you know, getting our hands dirty and, and dealing with some of the very tough challenges that our city still faces. But let's take a step back and say, wow, this isn't a bad thing that an outside company with international experience is considering spending $400 million here. Yeah. And I also, you know, think that uh, it's significant that it's private money, right? I mean, this isn't the province or the city or the feds or all three of them getting together and doing something in downtown Winnipeg. These are guys that want to spend this money and make money. They believe in our downtown. That, and, and that's exactly right. And again, if you rewind the clock to when Portage Place was planned, you know, for good or bad, again, it was the reverse, Hal. You know, this city was struggling, our province was struggling, and all three levels of government had to support and encourage 
and in all honesty, subsidize developers to come here to really plant some of those seeds. I think now, 35 years later, we're seeing that, uh, you know, that the outcome of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Gino, thanks a lot for this. Have a great weekend and all the best over the holidays. You too, Hal. Thank you so much for having me on. Gino DeStazio, he is a professor of urban studies at the University of Winnipeg. Yeah, it's a big deal. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.